Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. So this morning, I kind of want to start off watching a scene together. You know, I use that phrase a lot when we, when we walk through the Bible. I say, let's watch this like a movie. So we're going to do that today. We're going to look into some of our history, prophetic history, which is kind of going back to the future, what it means for us in the here and now. But I want to start off, you know how like the X-Men movies, a lot of times they'll have a little scene after the credits, and you're like, how does that fit? That's how I want to start today. I want to start at a scene with Jesus and his disciples and all of us being number 13 in a room together. And Jesus is actually pouring out his heart in a way, not in parables, in some real, he's, he's, he's speaking in some real clear things that his disciples, if you read through the Gospels, you kind of realize they weren't all uh, the sharpest knives in the drawer that he picked, okay? <laughs> Which kind of gives us a little bit of a hope. But he's saying things to them that have like this, his voice is eternity, you know, it's just, it's, it's going through time and space, but it's as, it's as pertinent for us today as it was the day that he said it. And it meant so much more than I think even they were able to comprehend, but they stepped into it little by little. And he's actually giving them the talk about the spirit, this, the Holy Spirit that was going to be coming in them and with them and, and that he was leaving, but it was actually a good thing. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the, the three gateway doors of the actual tabernacle. He's saying all these prophetic things, um, and, and, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And he says in John 14, 7, if, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For, and from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. And it's almost as if he was saying, the Father himself has been with you without you recognizing it. But now I'm, I'm letting you into this reality that he's been here with you all along and you've been seeing him all along. He's popping the bubble, right? We talk about that in the book of the Corinthians. Is if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus was here by stealth, not drawing people to himself, but manifesting the reality of who God is. And so Philip pipes up, which shows how comfortable that they are with him as we're watching this scene. And he says, Lord... Show us the Father, and it is sufficient to us. In other words, I, I don't know what is he, he expecting Jesus to put his two fingers on the temple of his side of his head and open his eyes to see a vision of this, the gray-haired, eternal God. You know, you know, I don't know what he's expecting, but he's like, show us, and it'll be sufficient. That'll be it. Like, like we're not fully grasping what you're saying, but but show us, show us him to us. To which he says. Have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? This is the I am. This is the embodiment of Yahweh, as, as, as it's written in Colossians, is, is before them. Do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does these works. This power that you've seen emanated from me. As someone who's morphed himself into human and has, has denied his godliness and his power, that power is not actually mine. That is him within me. I'm demonstrating something for you, and I have been the whole time. He goes on, talks about the greater works, which is very popular these days. Talks about prayer. 
asking things in his name. And he will do those things that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. In other words, you're talking about praying to you. That's, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. It's God sitting around them. Now he's speaking in plain, I want to say plain English, but plain speech. In plain King James English, he was speaking to them. <laughs> no, not really. You know, these Aramaic guys, you know, he's sitting there talking to them in this language. And I'm going to pray to the Father and He's going to give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. See, He's telling them, like, it's actually better that I go away. What could be better than walking physically with Jesus? Trust me, it can be better. That's in red letters. He's saying this. You'll never be alone. The Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see Him nor know Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and He will be in you. It's like, What? They've never heard this concept. The Spirit of God comes upon prophets that write the inspired word in this old, in the Torah, in the Old Testament. The you know, they've never heard of this stuff. And he's acting like, yeah, you actually already know him. Like, how can we already know him, the Spirit of truth? Like, he's been living with you for three years. Amen. Can you imagine this is, this is the Yahweh, God is speaking to them. Like, you haven't even realized who you've truly been with. More than a son of God more than a son of man, the God-man, Daniel 7. But he says, I won't leave you orphans. He will come to you and I won't leave you orphans. Well, which one is it? But he says something in verse 20 that I feel like is going to be great for us today. And we're going to watch this scene a lot in the coming probably weeks, months, years. But he says something in verse 20, kind of like, it's kind of like him saying to the disciples, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but there's a day when it's going to click. And he says, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, but that you are also in me and that I'm in you. And that's the text for today. This is important. This is probably flying over these guys' heads. <laughs> you know what I mean? It might be flying over a few heads now, and we actually know this stuff. But um, he's literally saying this. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going, this helper is going to be given to you. You've been with him the whole time. You haven't realized it. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. And eventually it will click that I am in my Father, but that you are also inside of me and that I'm inside of you. This Godhead, this theology of, of this Trinitarian, this, this triune being, this God is literally saying, you're going to realize that you're all the way into our fellowship. You are all the way into our family connection and there's nothing you can even do about it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You're already there and there's nothing anyone else can do to take you out of it. And it's beautiful. And he goes and he, then he starts saying they, like, you know, he who keeps my commandments, keeps me, he loves me and who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. We will come, in verse 23 it says, my father and I will come and we will make our home with him. It's just like, whoa, you haven't realized this is, he's telling these disciples, this is way bigger than you guys have ever imagined. This is what, what I've accomplished here is way more than you've ever thought, imagined, or grasped. And it is absolutely brilliant. And it will cause you to have rest for your soul. Because you can't work into it. It's too late. I've got you. You know? This is when we go into the famous discourse of, I mean, he continues about being the vine. And in, in John 15, I'm the vine. 
Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. He cleans it. He prunes it. But then he says in verse 3, you're actually already clean because I've, of the word that I've spoken into you. So abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. It's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, there's nothing else you can do to become clean and to become accepted. Can you imagine that? When Jesus is saying that before he went to the cross, this is controversial. It shouldn't be. But he's sitting with them and they're having to process this over a period of months and years after this conversation, as many people still doubt it today. But he's like, you're actually already clean because of the word that I've spoken into you. I've, I've planted the, the eternal seed of the kingdom of heaven. This is that Matthew 13, 44, that seed that nobody knows about. This is all of Mark 4, um, all the seed that gets sown and day at night it grows without anyone knowing. I've put something, I've come into, Jesus has come into, like we talked about last week, into the depths of human, of mankind, and he's done something in our very core. He came into the very, every bit of darkness, right? We went into the Psalm 22 last week, you know, like the, that Messianic Psalm. He came into the, into the lie of separation itself, took it upon himself. He's like, I'm all the way in. I'm, I'm ingrained in you now. I've already sown it and it's already taken root. There's, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. This is one of those, that's Selah, man. We could close the book right now and just everybody have a little meditation time on that. Just think about it for a while. But wait, what does this mean? You know, it means that everything we read in the Bible, we have to read through his words. The Old Testament, and the New Testament has to come through this four sided cube. This is the four living creatures that guard, that are in front of the throne of God. The, the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle. This is all the, this is the picture surrounding the reality of who God is. And everything must be filtered through this reality. Even our own vision must be filtered through what he is saying. And that's why when we look at Revelation 19.10 and it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, it's like, oh yeah. So prophecy isn't like, you know, you know who's going to be, you know, Tulsi Gabbard is going to be the next president. I, I, I foreseen this, you know, or, you know, somebody's doing all these things. What prophecy literally is, is actually seeing potential in even the least. He gives a cup to the little kid, to the least of these have done it to me. It's like seeing Jesus and that eternal seed that he says is inside of mankind, inside of everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's, dang, Solomon said it, Ecclesiastes 3, the, the seed of eternity is in the heart of man. Like there's, there's something that was seen in the Old Testament that would happen and that is our reality because of what Jesus has done, that in the depths of every single person, there is the potential, there is the, there is the incorruptible seed of the kingdom of God. And that is the prophetic ministry, seeing it, the testimony of Jesus, seeing somebody as they fully are, completely whole, healed, and walking in the fullness of their created value. And that's how you're unlocked to see in the Spirit. I mean, there's giftings of seeing in the Spirit, of discerning of spirits, you know, angels, demons, all these things, and they're all very, very real. But there's a higher way. That is the love of God, which is the testimony of Jesus, which is the true spirit of prophecy. It just is. It's brilliant. It's wonderful, and it's controversial to this day, especially to those who see their righteousness according to the things that they've done, you know, and not according first and foremost to what he's actually done. It's a different game. See, we've been talking about this. This is an angle we've been, in, been on looking at church, kind of church history, early church history, really, really early in the book of Acts. And, we, and, and Philip and, and especially St Stephen, we've, we've kind of redefined not redefined, but maybe better defined what it is to see through the heart of a servant. 
That was last week's message. I thought that was a hitter for real, major, um, valuable, and it goes very well with this. But that 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 visual that visual that we have, that heart of a servant, it's somebody who um, it's rooted in how we view God, how He truly is, without a veil of our face, how we view other people, and very importantly, right in the middle of those things, how we actually see ourselves through this. You're already pruned. You're already clean because of the word. Don't work to get something that you've already been given. You know what I mean? Instead, abide in me. That's what he says. You're already clean, so abide in me. Don't get to working. Get to living in the reality of what I've done. It's a different game. That's our religion. That's, the re that's real, pure religion. And it is rare. But that's it, man. And he said it, not me. You know, he, he's the one saying this. And so we looked at the heart of like somebody like Stephen. So that was our scene, okay? We just went into the disciples ended our, for, for our pre-movie. But we've been talking about Stephen and we've talked about Philip and we talk about, I mean, all the things that happened. Stephen came up to the place where he was in such a level of power, but because he had the same heart as Jesus and he manifested the heart of Jesus when he was stoned. He articulated the same words, the same, the same heart feeling emotions Father, forgive them. Lord Jesus, forgive them. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, receive my spirit. You know, Stephen was on another level, y'all. You know, for a reason. He, he recognized who Jesus was. And he entered into something great. But we closed last week. To be honest, I don't know where we closed, but I know we finished that story last week with him getting stoned and that beautiful manifestation of God coming out of him with him having an open vision, seeing into heaven and seeing Jesus standing, not only at the right hand of the Father, at an equal place, but actually standing up, like, like, like in a place of, in a, in, a, in honoring him, you know what I mean? But, but even what's more than that, we saw people laying their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who was orchestrating, who was leading the execution, because he was in, this guy named Saul was on such a level of the authority of who God is. Can you imagine that? See, the imagers, the people created in the image of God, we are supposed to be the authority in creation of who God is. Throughout all the universes that ever created, you know, all, all the above, like we are the imagers of God. A dog is a man's best friend, and a human is the image of God, is the imager of God. You know what I mean? Like there's two things I know, I don't know what the other animals do. <laughs> you know? Maybe there's something to that. You know, the world's fallen, so we need to fix a lot of these things. But dolphins are still good. They're like dogs, too. So and I like orcas. So there's a couple good, good ones, you know. But anyhow, um, good ones. Nobody caught that? Um, uh, yeah, thank you. But the reality is um, I fully lost my train of thought right there. That's the reality. <laughs> um, um, Everything that Jesus is saying, none of it's by accident. And everything that's written in this book, none of it's by accident. They're laying their, their jackets at the feet of a young man named Saul because he was the one giving consent to Stephen being killed. Now remember, Stephen's death and his life and his service, him and Philip and the other five, what happened was much of the priesthood, much of the religion started to flip to Christianity after this, which is brilliant, man. That's huge. All of the most harsh religious ones leading the persecution attacks all came to a different mind. Many of them were in on the actual crucifixion from, from an actual convicting level. 
you know. So this has happened, but here's, here's the one who's consenting to it, who's, who has the authority to pronounce the death penalty. This guy, Saul. And, um, but what ends up happening to him is absolutely brilliant and incredible. And we know, now that we're watching a different movie, the book of Acts, instead of the Jesus at the table, that Saul ends up changing his name to Paul. Either the Lord changed it because he changed a lot of people's names throughout the Old and New Testament. And it's just the way it works. Jacob to Israel, all the way to, you know, all the way to Peter and the twins and, you know, all the disciples had weird names, nicknames and stuff, sons of thunder. Um, so Saul becomes Paul. I have a feeling it's by the Lord, but we don't really see how it is. But he's basically like Saul bin Laden. You know, he's a very, very bad guy who's persecuting. And as the Bible says, he was creating havoc against the church. And another thing we realize is that this story, or not this story, this is written by Luke about Paul, but so much of our New Testament was written by Saul. And it's like, yo, how did you get from Saul bin Laden to uh, everybody's favorite, you know, the Apostle Paul writing, you know, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, you know, all, you know, all these letters, all the Timothy letters, you know, how did you, be, how did you flip to that? But I think it's very important to see, especially considering Jesus' words in the first scene, something happened to Saul that changed him from the inside out, right? And um, we're going to do the book of Acts, but I'll tell you, if, if I was making this a movie, I would literally turn over to Galatians, and if I was going to do the Acts movie concerning Saul today, I would start in Galatians 1. And you know how some movies have like a commentator at the end? They, they, they kind of give you the, they're talking about it out loud, and then all of a sudden the movie scene starts. That's how I would do this one. And, and Paul would be sitting there talking, our grandfather, who's actually smaller, below average in height, just a little fellow, that were like, we're hearing about this Saul that raised, this, put havoc through the church and was a terrorist to everybody. Everyone's scared to death of him. He's a little guy, which is funny in itself. Um, but then when I see him in, 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 first, in, 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 I'm sorry, in Galatians, he starts this whole commentary of this movie. He says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man. For neither did I receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the guy that wrote the majority of the Bible. And he's literally saying, hey, this gospel that I'm preaching, that also the, the other apostles all preach and they write these letters, we didn't confer. I learned this reality of his crucifixion and this reality of him by actually knowing him. And we're like, he was already, he was already dead and crucified. Like, how, how can you do this? He's like, yeah, but that's the point. He's saying, I actually know him. This is coming out of my life. This is, this is life. Now, we know this is breathed of God. So he's in such agreement with the Spirit of God, he's writing something we see as Scripture now. He says, I didn't receive it from a man. It came through Jesus. For you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church beyond measure, and I actually tried to destroy it. What, Grandpa? You did what? Like, yeah, I tried to wreck Christianity. I tried to actually destroy the church, all of it. No, you, that doesn't even seem like you. Like you were filled with rage and anger? Like, oh yeah, to the point of killing. What? People were scared of him, terrorized by him. 
like you, little old guy, you heard of my form of conduct. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. Like I was a big dog in the religious scene. I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He was the death penalty consenter of Stephen himself, one of the greatest people ever to walk the world, the earth. But he says something in verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to the desert in Arabia. And then I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem and I saw Peter and some of the other apostles. In other words, like, hey, like, I didn't get this from people. I got this directly from Jesus. You know, I was zealous for the religions of my fathers. I was living according to the nature of Adam. It was driving me and I thought I was representing God. But my true father, when it pleased him, the one who separated me from my mother's womb and he called me through his grace, when it pleased him to reveal his son in me. That's a big one right there. It's super controversial, but it can never be taken away because it's our scripture and it's written there in all the translations. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. And when he did, I didn't, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. I went out to the desert for three years and like, yo, I need to make sure this is real because this is conflicting of everything I've ever known. You know, and it's brilliant. But that phrase right there, it sounds like Jesus. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. And you know what else? You're in me. Which means you're in the Father. And I'm in you. In that day, it's going to click. You're going to realize, oh man, there's nothing else I can work myself into. There's no more hoops for me to jump through. You're going to realize it, y'all. You're going to realize that you're actually inside of God. These Jewish minds, this is the holiest place of the Holy of Holies, of the Holy Temple, of, 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 of the Tabernacle, Solomon's Temple, the Jewish Temple, all the above. Like only the high priest could even go back there and only once a year, y'all, and only one person and had to jump through tons of hoops just to get back in there and make atonement, right? They had to do sacrifices, blood everywhere to kind of to make the place sanctified for the presence of God to even be there, for him to be there and share sacred space. And now he's saying, like, guess what? I've done something by stealth that no one saw coming, and you're going to get it. You're actually inside of me. You're not waiting to meet God in the Holy of Holies. You're inside of God, and where he goes, you go. But also, I'm in you. In other words, where you go, I go. And this is going to destroy the gates of hell and the earth. That's what the whole plan was, you guys. And now Saul, who's given us this recap, I was... I was actually, you know, in my, I was actually trying to destroy Christianity. I was trying to destroy the church. But, but when I said the sinner's prayer, and then I got baptized, and then they laid hands on me to receive the Holy Spirit, and then I spoke in tongues, then I got the Holy Spirit, and then I re... No, no, no. No, it's none of that. No. We are an assembly of people and of God. But this ain't the assemblies of God. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> um, but what is he saying? But, but when, it, when, it, when it pleased him to reveal that his son was in me. It's just like, what? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so, we're talking about 
Now that's Paul. Like you're not talking about Saul. Like no Saul bin Laden. When it pleased God for God to tell Saul bin Laden, "Hey, buddy, it's too late. You're kicking against something that you can't kick against. You're trying to stop something that I've already finished and completed and done, and there's no stopping it." He's saying, "That's my story. I woke up. I was actually blind." And then I was struck blind. Then I could actually see. Crazy. Crazy. And this young, zealous, rage-filled authority, he was so zealous to protect. This is who God is. And it's only for these people. And God chose him to reverse the whole thing. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me, and I'm, you're actually in me. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Acts 9, picking up into the movie, Grandpa Saul goes off, and then we're watching the movie. They're, they're, they're laying the clothes at Saul's feet. You know? Stephen's, Stephen's death set off a, a supernatural shockwave to the whole region. A bunch of the priesthood gets saved, which is crazy in itself. Right? His face shone like an angel. That's the glory to glory reference that Paul's talking about. Moses, angel, 2 Corinthians 3.18. You know, he's demonstrating this true Christian walk, the heart of a servant. Not talking about helps. I'm talking about the heart of a servant that sees others greater than himself. In other words, the testament of Jesus, true prophecy. And now, Saul goes and gets letters from the priests. And, um, and it was basically this weather's letters in, in Acts 9.1 or 2 that says he got these letters from the high priest, the top of the food chain, to actually go to Damascus, and if he found anybody who was of the way, capital W, the way of this Christianity, because I wouldn't even call that anymore. It was just Judaism, just it's work, it's continuing, you know, the Messiah's coming. Um, that he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he had authority to do all this stuff. Um, but many of you know the story in Acts 9-3. When he came near Damascus, a, a, a light shone around him from heaven. It says, th that wording there is like, it enveloped him. He got, he got sucked into some, another reality. You know, Jesus used to always say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, I believe it's an overlapping dimension here, you know, but um, he got pulled into that. Can you imagine that? Man, can you imagine those when, when you read like the book of Hebrews about like Hebrews 12, like this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds, hey, understand that heaven is surrounding you at all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, let us lay aside every sin and every weight that easily entangles us, right? <clears throat> that, that's in the book Hebrews. Some people think Paul wrote it. I don't, I don't, nobody really knows. But it's like he gets pulled into that reality. And he got pulled into it other times in, in brilliant ways once he was a follower of the Lord. Um, but he gets pulled into that reality and it says he falls to the ground. This light shone around him, enveloped him from heaven. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? It's like, can you imagine being the authority of God in the earth? You have the official stamp to say what's God and what's not. And all of a sudden, like, just, you just get enveloped in some light and you're tapping out saying, who are you? Like, I don't know who you are, but you're the one. You know what I mean? Who are you, Lord? You know, master, sir. <laughs> to which he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's me. Now, most of your Bibles will say, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Really not sure if that was there originally or if that's from 
people that he said that to, but it's not in a lot of the original text, to be honest, but it doesn't matter. It's still great. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> in other words, like he went from being the authority of who's in charge, having such a reality, such a check in the fear of the Lord that he's like, boom. All right, just, all right, what's our next move, boss? You know what I mean? <laughs> and he says, arise and go in the city and you'll be told what you must do. So the men journeyed with them. They stood speechless. They didn't see anybody, but they heard, the, they heard a voice. It says, he, rose, he saw rose from the ground. His eyes were open. He saw no one. They let him. His eyes, you know, he was completely blinded by this light that he stepped into, right? It says he was three days and three nights without food or water when he got into Damascus. There's probably a lot of people in here that have done a three-day fast. It's not a huge deal. It's totally doable. It's actually pretty healthy for you. Aside from spiritual stuff, it's actually pretty healthy for you, right? Um, but three days off of water, that ain't, no, that ain't healthy for no, no human being, you know? Or animal, probably. Maybe a camel, I guess. I don't know. But it's not good for a person. He didn't eat or drink for three days. He's sitting there blinded in a room, in a dark room by himself. Freaked out. We call that being, I don't know, click, click. I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's freaked out sitting there just like traumatized. That's some trauma. But he's just, he's just, his whole life's work has been wrecked in one single day. He didn't get hurt. He didn't get smacked. He got blinded. He didn't even get rebuked. The air quotes, Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. We know that's a, that's a false teaching right there because it's out of context of John 16. But he didn't even get, says, you're a murderer. You're a this. You're a that. I judge you of this. There was none of this. He's just like, hey, man, is that hard for you? Is it hard to be like that? Is it hard for you to try to stop something you can't stop? That you're actually hurting yourself by what you're doing? Man, why are you persecuting me for? He didn't say, you know what I'm saying? I was like, why, why are you doing this to me? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Jesus. Oh, snap. Rethink everything. Went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton, like Gamaliel is his teacher. You know what I mean? He's a high level. He was above his contemporaries, like he just said in the very beginning of the story, right? And it's like, he, he's got probably the first five books of the Bible memorized of the Torah, you know, maybe a lot more of it. And now he's sitting there by himself thinking about everything that he's been doing and how he was wrong. And his mind is just going through scripture, highlight after highlight, bang, ba bang, ba bang, ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? You know what else he's probably thinking of? Stephen. I see Jesus standing, his face glowing. How, 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 how do you think that feels? Hey, by the way, that was your teammate, your brother. Oh my gosh, do you think that's guilt, shame? You know, like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe, oh man. Picturing the men and women that he's dragged by their hair out of their houses, out of synagogue. You know what I'm saying? Do you, do you, how do you think he's feeling for these few days, man? Mm. Whew, he's like, man, where can I find a priest to confess to? No, he doesn't have that. He has no way out. He's just shook. He doesn't know repentance. He doesn't know nothing, dude. He doesn't know anything but Judaism. Now, it's funny. Down the street, a little ways away, there's a guy named Ananias. It says, now there was a certain man at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. <laughs> and he said, here I am, Lord. Sounds a little bit like Isaiah. 
But so he was he was a Christian that was not special at all, that was actually praying or in some way connecting because he had a vision of God and God talked to him in this vision. So here's New Testament Christianity. Um, where the Lord pronounces his name, like Samuel or any of them, you know, here I am. And he says, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. So we know what he was doing. Blind, blind as a bat sitting there, trauma. No food, no drink, but he's praying all right. Probably feeling really guilty and bad. Terrible about what he's been doing. And guess what? He's actually seen a vision, and he's seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So he's sitting there seeing visions and pictures because I've blocked his eyes out so that he'll be able to see. So now he's actually connecting to me. He's praying, and he's actually seeing a vision. So here's Saul bin Laden. He hasn't been baptized yet, y'all, and he's having visions from God, showing him the person that's going to come pray for him and tell him, okay, so what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? So... All right, so I'm like, I'm like PhD level theologian, and it's just like, okay, so, so all that was wrong, and we got another one? You got it, man. Where do I start kindergarten at? Sign me up for kindergarten, preschool, whatever I got to do, because I'm there. I'm there. You know what I mean? Talk about rethinking your whole life. Yeah. I need to go home and rethink my life, right? I need to go over there. It's a bang, you know? Um, so Ananias says what any one of us would have said, probably. He says, Lord... It's like you've had a vision, the Lord's given you your name, you've responded to him, and he tells you, and he tells you where to go, tells you what street to go to, tells you the guy's name you're supposed to go pray for, Saul of Tarsus, Saul bin Laden, and, um, and um, tells you what's going to happen when you go and pray for him. Like, that's a nice little playlist. That's a nice little, you know. But Ananias says, hey, speaking of this, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And also I've heard that the chief priests have given him the authority to bind people, anybody who calls on your name. Like, hey, like, he has a license to put people in jail that don't even commit crimes. That's a crazy license. That'd be so crazy if, it came, if that became our reality. You know how that would be? You know, social media theologians would quiet themselves down real fast. All the fakes... Yeah. Anyway, but so anyhow, he's just like, yo, man, this is Saul bin Laden you're sending me to. I, I've actually heard some bad things about him. Can you imagine this having vision from the Lord and having this level of connection? And this, But then like, actually arguing God. Like, hey, so, so about this uh, Saul of Tarsus kind of rings a bell. As a matter of fact, you might not know this God, but he has blank, 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 blank authority. And he's going to do this, 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 and this. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, hey, you know, listen. But God, not being our harsh football coach, says, fine, I'll, fine, boy, I'll, you scared? I'll find another person. And that's how we view God. We view him through that. Delayed obedience? Fine, I'll get you another person, and they'll be in the Bible for all time, and you won't be. What did God do? The patient, kind, loving uh, shepherd. He just said, hey, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And he could have raised his hand like, so you said something about Gentiles, but that's also illegal, you know. But here is the Lord sharing his plan with one of his sons. Like, no, this is really good. Not, not, only, not only am I telling you to go, but he's a chosen vessel of mine. 
and he's going to do some stuff. He's going to share the gospel with actual with Gentiles, with people that don't even believe that they're not even in our. He's going to be before kings. You know what I mean? He's going to this guy, and I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my namesake, and he's still going to want to do it. Like this guy's heart is so down for me that he is the type that that resolve that he has to destroy is gonna be like, even if I'm destroyed, I'm not gonna stop, I'm gonna follow you. He's that loyal to me, he's just turned around really, really backwards. Isn't that beautiful? Can you imagine that? He's a chosen vessel of mine. This is what Apostle, that's, this is what he's saying, right? When his name's Paul and he's writing for uh, Galatians. God chose me before my mother's womb. I was in a completely different identity. I was living a complete lie. I was wearing a mask. I thought I was being who I truly was, but I was so spun around by the snake, by the, by the poison of that snake, the knowledge of good and evil from his tree, that I was a, living a complete lie, but God knew who I truly was. He knit me together in my mother's room for a purpose, and even though I was the, the most backward person in the world, he revealed that his son was in me. And that blew my mind. And it should blow all of ours. You know. It's incredible, right? Hmm. We know that everything God does, He does with complete intention, right? Yeah. His whole heart. There's no coincidences, is there? Mm -mm. Especially not in His Word, okay? Um, which can't be broken. And not only Paul writing this stuff inspired, but the story itself is our inspired truth, is the Word of truth. And Jesus doing something here. God doing something here to pick the most rotten person, the most anti-person, the most, what we would say is absolutely disqualified person to break this whole thing open. He was making a point. There's nothing. Hey, Saul, is it hard to kick against some goats? Like there's, there's really nothing you can do. You're fighting against a wall that you'll never be able to break. And it's got spears poking out and you're kicking against them. What you're doing is just damaging yourself. It's like, look, man, it's time to yield to me and follow me. You know, you know Ananias goes his way. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing that happens in this verse. Well, I'm coming close, but he goes his way, lays his hands on Saul, brother Saul. He calls him brother Saul. He calls him brother from the get-go. So the love of God has, has come through him like, hey, I don't hate you for what you did. To, to our people, to, you know what I mean? He calls him brother. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road. Imagine that. Imagine blind Saul sitting there and somebody knows what happened to you on a road without talking to. He appeared to you on a road and he came and he sent me that you may receive your sight. And immediately there fell off something like scales from his sight. And so then he received food and was strengthened. Um, he spent some days with disciples and immediately he started preaching the Christ in the synagogues that he's the son of God. Imagine that. Saul bin Laden up there. All right, so I have something to say, everyone. And I know some of you are going to want to throw rocks at me for this. And I don't blame you because I was there four days ago. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? A week ago I was there, right? It says people were amazed. And they said, is this not the one who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? That's, imagine like he was Abaddon, you know, the destroyer. He was destroying people for being Christians. But it says he increased in his strength. And, um, and then it says when Saul had come to Jerusalem. So this is three years later. Because remember, he didn't actually come and speak to them for three years. He was, 
he was there in the desert going back and forth in the Damascus region um, for three years, got this revelation from Jesus Christ, like he said. Um, so when he come to Jerusalem and tried to join up with the disciples, they were all too afraid of him because <laughs> they heard who he was. They're like, no, nah, that's, a, that's a cover. He's trying to come and get in, get in the middle of us so he can wreck shop like, ain't doing that, ain't messing with him, you know. But one of them, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' disciples, not, not one of the 12, but one of the disciples took him. In verse 27, it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them what he had seen on the road and what had happened. So one guy had the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. And it's like all the apostles were scared of him. It's like, no, 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 like I know what he's, I know this guy. I'm telling you, this is real. Trust me. You don't trust him, trust me. And it was Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. What is encouragement? It's the essence of prophetic ministry. 1 Corinthians 14.3, who prophesies, prophesies for exhortation, edification, and comfort. The New Testament prophecy, you know, it's not doom and gloom, it's not the last days, and it's not, you know, who, you know, there, there's aspects of prophetic ministry that call things out, and I think it's, it's cool when it's, when it's real, but New Testament prophecy is for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of people. It builds people up. It sees the testimony of Jesus within them and says, no, I, I see it. I can, the son of encouragement had eyes who could see, and because of him, he linked them up and actually came and brought them before the a few of the apostles that were willing to see him. So he was, he was with them going in and coming out for a very short period of time, and then he, then he dipped out, and he was gone for another like 10 years by himself after that. 13, 14 years altogether. You know, he's in the wilderness connecting to God, going back and forth to Damascus before he really steps onto the scene and is given that right hand of fellowship in a profound way, which is a beautiful story, but we're not doing that today. Um, but... Um, it says, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and, and sent him to Tarsus. And the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were, they were multiplied. It was beautiful, beautiful, right? And so it's just like, oh my gosh, Saul bin Laden's one of us. He was converted. But just the stamp, and his name becomes Paul, right? But just the stamp of like, yo, why is this written the way that it's written? Why did God choose this guy Saul out of everybody. That stuff, when we read the Bible, it's like, it, it, it should pull like, hey, there's, there's more to this story, just the intention of why he picked him and why he's saying these things. You know, he's the one, I love this, the verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, written by Paul, formerly Saul. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. He's saying, listen, we've got to learn to see by the Spirit, by the testimony of Jesus, not by the flesh. And who had a better tr history of that? Because everybody that knew him by the flesh was scared to death of that guy. You know what I mean? And it's like, listen, you've got to see like Barnabas, man. We've got to see through this testimony. We've got to see through the, through the reality of this lens. This is the lens that we're coming to see through. You know, golly, other questions. I just wrote these down, but I don't think we'll use them. But it's good if you want to think through these things. Pause the message if you're listening to it somewhere else. It's like, what do you think was go going on in Saul's head for those three days. I think we kind of hit that. How about this? Why did, why did God choose to bring Ananias into the equation? Like, dude, I'm just minding my business trying to pray to get my needs met. Obviously, he wasn't. He stepped into New Testament Christianity where he was just connecting to God. And God used him to do something incredibly beautiful. 
How did Ananias see Saul? Well, first he saw him as Saul bin Laden, but look what's happening in the mind of a Christian. And God's rewiring his mind. Hey, I know this man by the flesh. I know him by his reputation. I know him by how I judge him to be, how I see him. And he's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't, so you can't, so you can't see him as my chosen vessel to do greatness, to touch the ends of the world. Because if you cannot see somebody in that way, you're blind right now. That's our reality. If we don't see, if we see ourselves better than somebody else, we've, we've missed the game. We've missed it, you know? And if we don't, and if, but we, if we can't see the value of someone created in God's image, then we're not stepping into the level of prophetic lens that we're called to see through. Yeah. And that brings that question, how did he see Saul? It's like, how do I see people? Like, dang, how do we see people? Do we only see people that we could get our needs met through as objects to like maybe this or, you know what I mean? Are we recruiting? Are we like, how are we seeing people? Are we seeing people through value? Because it looks like Jesus, he took what everyone else said was the bad news bears, the most ragtag team in the world. And he made them these, yeah, your, your names are on the, on the foundations of heaven. You got thrones coming to you and all these things. And we're just like, who? The son, you mean the sons of thunder want to kill people? Like these guys, these guys are idiots, man. You know, Peter's cussing all the time. You know, it's like, no, he's cussing in the final act, you know? It's like, you're one of them. I don't, bleep, I don't, I don't know him. I don't bleep and know him. Leave me alone. You know, he's denying, you know, it's like, but it's like, why does he do all this? Because he's showing us something. He's healed mankind. In that day, you will know something. Oh, it's not about you. You know? It's not about walking according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Galatians 5 is not about like trying not to sin. It's like, it's actually about walking in the spirit and then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Instead of tiptoeing, like trying not to, oh, I don't want to get into the flesh. I don't want to get in my flesh. I don't want to get in my flesh. We're like so sin conscious walking through life frozen that we can't see the value in others because we don't want to risk being disqualified by walking in my flesh. Being, you know what I'm saying? It's so dumb, but it's religion. It's the poison of that tree. The reality is walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust. Like, hey, like do this and that won't even be an issue for you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. And know what? I'm going to make my home. Me and dad are both going to make our homes, our homes with you. Like, are you talking plural now? What's going on, man? This is getting crazy right here. He's like, no, yeah. And in that, no, you'll, you'll know in that day. You're in me and I'm in you. You're already actually clean because the word wife spoke to you. It's like, no, I can't be. That can't be. That can't be. That can't be. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm just a sinner. Say by grace, brother. Amen. You know, like, no, nah, like all this dumb theology. It's like, no, that's backwards from the Bible. It's taking Paul's words out of context. Who's writing the very opposite thing. And somehow we justify that. Crazy, man. Bat crazy. Right? Uh, the reality is the bread and the wine changes everything. The body and the blood changed everything. That's the lens, man. That's the lens. Do this often. What is it? 1 Corinthians 9 or 10, right? The Apostle Paul, who says, I, I received this from Jesus. He literally talks. Oh, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 11. I'm glad I turned over there. That would have ate my lunch. I'm like, I can't put that out. You know? But he, he, he says, I received communion from the Lord. Not from the disciples. It's like, What? He entered into a connection with Jesus on such a level that he taught him how to take communion. He wasn't there at the Last Supper. And now he's talking to the Corinthians about it. He's like, this is your lens. 
because people do this without reverence, many sick and are, are weak, and many go to sleep early, many die early. He wasn't talking about because they're just blatant sinners. It's just like, hey, because they don't understand the value of what Jesus' body and his blood really actually mean. And this is the, he's like, this is the lens. I got it from Jesus. He taught me this ritual. We don't even have rituals. He taught me this ritual. This is ours, communion, because it points to his body was broken, that the penalty of the fall was severed from us, and his blood was shed, which forgive us of all sins for all time. And he's given us his spirit. And guess what? Yeah. It might be past tense. Wait a second. Saul, his spirit in you? You're like, yeah, guess what? Yeah. I'm not a universalist. I think there's people that will really choose to reject God and walk away for sure. Yeah, it's, it seems that way anyways. But this is for everyone, even the worst of the worst. Because calling the worst of the worst is still looking through the lens of the knowledge of good and evil and not through the lens of the bread and the wine. That's our play, man. That's, that's what this whole thing is about. Hmm. It's, 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 it's incredible. And it's our family history. So Lord, I think I'm landing this. Not the greatest lander. But I do thank you for your word, which is true, Lord. And I thank you that we would all come into the mindset coming out of works and coming out of religiosity, but would step into the reality that it's nothing we've done, but what you've sowed into us, yourself, into humanity. And that your spirit is with us and in us to lead us into truth and into growth and to stepping into the imagers of yours that we're called to be. And I thank you for all of our older brothers and sisters and Ananias having courage and having a relationship with you that we can see. Even though he was afraid, he stepped out and did what you asked him to, and Saul, who ends up being Paul, and, and all this beautiful talks you have with the disciples that were written for us, that we could actually live this and walk this reality true. And Lord, I ask that even corporately together, we would know in this day, you know, that you, Jesus, are in the Father, and that we are in you, and that you are in us. And let us walk with that confidence, no longer trying to jump through hoops, or feeling unworthy, but understanding that we've been made clean by the word which you spoke, and we have the opportunity to simply abide in you as those ones completely covered and forgiven and empowered. Amen.